This is Docera Digest Podcast, breaking down health concepts. This podcast is brought to you by Docera Life Center. This innovative clinic is finding new solutions to the evolving challenges mankind faces in the 21st century. By utilizing cutting edge technology and testing, they find root causes and also offer treatment with energy and nutrition. What is the mission? To dynamically change lives for the better while impacting families for generations. The information shared directly or indirectly in the Docera Digest podcast is not to be understood as or misconstrued as medical advice. This information is not a replacement for your current health provider who is acutely aware of your current health state and course of treatment. Any information shared about a product or service discussed by any host or guest on this podcast is not to be interpreted as a doctor-patient relationship. Well, welcome back to Desera Digest. This is episode three in our Parasite series, and we're going to talk about hormones and neurotransmitters and how parasites basically uh, take advantage of us and make us uh, work for them, and they kind of create a home in us. So one of the first aspects I want to talk about is how the thyroid and the adrenals are affected. So as we know, hypothyroidism is a growing concern, and it's, uh, more and more people are being diagnosed with this, especially with an autoimmune version of it called th Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So there are many uh, approaches to treating these different conditions, and um, most of these need to uh, be aware that there's a root cause behind them. And while there's all kinds of different uh, medications that people are being put on, they're not actually addressing the root cause of what we're dealing with. And some of this comes from just a lack of clinical experience or as we talked about in previous episodes, an inability to confirm anything with labs. And so these stealth infections are kind of the invisible elephants in the room, as it were. And so what we need to do is we need to be able to go back and figure out what's driving these things. What's, what's causing this dysfunction in our general hormone pathways? So when we go back and we look at it, we often find patients come in who have thyroid, who have the labs to confirm they have thyroid issues. And with our testing, we find that parasites are more commonly the underlying issue for it. And so by doing that, we come through and are able to uh, change the body in a way to get rid of the parasites and remove their influences on our body. And we're going to talk about that here um, and how they do that. So parasites kind of have two goals uh, in our body. They want to feed and they want to breed. They want to survive and they want to lay eggs is what it comes down to. Well, to do that, they need to make themselves at home. So as any pregnant mother likes to nest, make the house ready, they do the same thing. You know, they change the environment, change the curtains, change the carpet, whatever they need to do. So they're going to go through and change the environment in our body to make it work for them. So a lot of these things will happen. Uh, they'll cause food allergies, food sensitivities, because the way that the parasites are reacting to it. So this may be controversial, but a lot of people with gluten issues are is a parasite issue. So you eat something, you feel really bad. It may not actually have been the food. It may have been the way the parasites reacted to it. And I've got all kinds of patients and kids and stuff with food allergies and everything else that we dealt with the parasites. More commonly, hookworm is usually the one that I see that causes a lot of that. We get rid of that, and all of a sudden – their issues with gluten goes away or other foods or even peanuts, which surprised me that we were able to fix that in a couple of patients. So they weren't reacting to it because we took care of the parasitic issues. So there's a lot of that that's playing into it. And as we've seen how the food processes have changed, there's so much more gluten and other things now that are being produced or they've been genetically modified to produce more of that. We see that that overstimulates our system more. So 
what happens is when they eat these foods, they create these toxic waste behind them, and then that gets absorbed into our bodies, and we have to deal with that and clean that out. And if we start getting overwhelmed with it, it becomes more of an issue. So our thyroid serves a very important function for our health and vitality, and it helps to modulate our immune system. It helps our body repair. It helps us uh, deal with infections, and it helps us to just survive and thrive in a good environment. So if parasites uh, can manipulate and modulate our bodies and weaken them, they do this by going after the thyroid in many different ways. So one of the first things they do is chemical warfare. And again, if you go back to last episode or the episode before that, I was kind of talking about how these are terrorist sites in our bodies. These invaders, what they want to do is they want to steal from us. They want to take our nutrients, things that we need to help build our body. They want to uh, destroy our microbiome, which helps produce a lot of psychobiotics. We didn't talk a lot about that, but psychobiotics are ones that create uh, serotonin, GABA, and other anti-inflammatory agents for our nervous system. And they want to come through and attack those and to weaken our system from that. So, and again, overwhelming our detox organs, our kidneys, our livers, um, bladder, skin, lungs, all these things that we need. And this is where it starts to create more and more of an issue for us because now as we've become more toxic, we become weaker and our immune system gets uh, shuttered down. So it can't keep up with it. And it's creating all these things. So we even talked about the mucus and the biofilms, how they like to hide underneath that, creating this environment there. And this mucus layer, as, as we talk about it, one of the things we talk about is how it, it creates a environment or a layer they can hide beneath. But what we didn't really address so far is the fact that these layers cover up our microvilli and our ability to absorb nutrients through there. And so a lot of times when you have a parasite, you feel hungry all the time and you're eating all the time, but you're not able to absorb and assimilate this stuff because you're your gut lining has been coated with this mucus layer that the parasites are hiding underneath and they get first shot at anything coming through there and then they can limit that. So weakens us, makes us malnourished. We don't get all the right nutrients we need. Uh, protein metabolism goes down, which we need certain amino acids to make our serotonin, which is our happy, feel good hormone. And serotonin is, um, it, it's, it's a big part of, of our, just our general overall life because serotonin is a happy, feel-good neurotransmitter, what also breaks down to melatonin. Well, melatonin helps us sleep the night, also boosts our immune system as well. So they want to go after serotonin. Serotonin also stimulates our bowels to move, peristalsis. So if your bowels aren't moving very fast, you have slow motility through there, serotonin could be an issue. So if serotonin is your happy, feel-good neurotransmitter and parasites are trying to limit the production of that, and a lot of this production is done by certain psychobiotics or probiotics that produce that, what happens is they're coming after you to actually bring you down. We see you get into a depressed state. So a lot of these people have parasites that are depressed. They have anxiety. They have low self-esteem, low self-worth. These are very common emotions we see. And with that, they kind of almost – Create somebody who is a loner or outside, they feel separated. It's almost like calling you from the herd a little bit. And what they do is they start to take you away from that and they remove that. You become depressed. You become weakened. You don't produce as much uh, oxytocin by doing the things you like or being around people that you enjoy these different things. And so it just pulls you down and creates a body that they can feed off of, keep you alive, but in a lowered state where you can't fight them very well. And so fight or messing with your neurotransmitters is a big part of that. It also limits GABA production. GABA is kind of your one that helped you feel like you're uh, at peace, you're rested, your body calms down for you to sleep at night. And so if you can't sleep at night and get a good night's sleep and you can't produce melatonin overnight because your serotonin is shot, we're going to create all kinds of issues. And we look at, you know, all these people out here who are having 
all these issues that are on all these different uh, neurotransmitter medications. And a lot of that goes back to there's some hormones that are not hormones, but genetic things that we've talked about in the past that could be issues that plays into it that gives you a predisposition toward having more of these issues, especially even how the neurotransmitters work will affect a lot of how parasites can gain access or or mess with it. So if you ever want to know if there's an issue with parasites messing with people's sleep and their GABA and their serotonin motility, what do we need to actually function and keep moving and keep grooving? Well, there's a coffee shop in every corner and half of every convenience store is nothing but energy drinks now. I would say that should be a wake-up signal for us <laughs> that there is definitely an issue here with our neurotransmitters being affected by these parasites. Since we talked about before, most doctors will go through and they'll do a test. If they don't find it, well, then that's not it. Let's go find something else. And so we end up with a lot of people on medications that actually start to create more issues in the long run because they're not dealing with the underlying cause. And so they just start stirring things up. So when we have medications that try to keep serotonin from turning into melatonin and to keep us happy, the problem is we don't get melatonin. So we get these people who are walking around like happy zombies. Hey, I'm happy, really. My life's great. Uh, and, but we see them all the time, don't we? I mean, it's, I mean, a lot of the patients come in, they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm surviving, I think, you know? And so it's a big part of that is keeping that balanced out. So, right. So the next thing I want to talk about here is we, we basically have two operating systems that we're in. We're either in a, our sympathetic or parasympathetic or more known as fight or flight or our rest and digest or feed and breed as it's called as well. So this is kind of a yin and yang of our body here as far as how we operate. So most of the time we should be in a parasympathetic state. We should be feeding. We should be relaxed. We should be having a good time. And a sympathetic response should be something where a bear comes and attacks us or, or chases after us. In that case, you want to jump into a sympathetic state where you can actually fight them off or you can run away. But most of us live in a sympathetic state in a false pretense of the stressors that we have. I mean, you can have a, a coworker that just drives you nuts, that starts walking your direction, and all of a sudden your limbic system starts firing up, and all of a sudden, boom, you switch over to the sympathetic state going, I'm either going to argue with her or I'm going to turn around and run away. And that's kind of sets that off because that's how we've gotten into that rhythm or we're so riled up and we're on such an edge that anything sets us off. I think this is where they call a Karen. <laughs> and so we're always just on the ragged edge and we're never into a relaxed, calm state. And so some people live in what we call a sympathetic dominant state. Well, parasites will drive and push this and manipulate us into this state. We're in this frenzy all the time. So we're fatigued, wiped out. You wake up, you're tired in the morning, and then you can't sleep at night. And you just repeat the cycle over again. And so you start running for everything that you can, sugars, caffeine, whatever it is, to try to keep you going so you can function and survive and try to thrive in the environment you're living in. So, I mean, a lot of these things are <coughs> trying to go through and figure out with my patients, where are you at? What do we need to address? So not only do we have to go through the parasite, not only do we have maybe limes or mold or something else here, but now we have to go back and say, okay, do I need to help your body actually go through and deal with thyroid dysfunction? Do we need to go after and help support the adrenals? What else do we need to do here to help you get back into a state? Because when you come in and you have had this condition for a while, your body's exhausted. And so it's like, well, we got to shore everything up. We got to come back. We got to help with the the adrenals there, give it the nutrition it needs. We have to settle down what is causing this cortisol response and try to get it balanced out. So 
dealing with all these things here. So dealing with cortisol, this is one that gets really interesting because you've heard the term stress kills, right? Okay. So let Somebody me tell you. in our office said that. Yeah. Here's how it's done. When we look at a cortisol to DHA ratio, and this is how much your body is producing cortisol versus DHA. DHA is the precursor to your sex hormones, your testosterone, your three estrogens. And cortisol, the precursor to that is progesterone. So we always hear about people having issues, especially pregnant women. We want to make sure the progesterone's up. Well, that's great, but let's reduce their stress as well. So we don't want them to have any stress because when that goes into effect, it burns that progesterone and gets out of balance with the estrogens and we have miscarriages and other things like that we have to deal with. So the cortisol DHA ratio is off. So when this happens, this can affect our neural tissue health. So our memory and learning, neural connectivity, the quality of our sleep and our mood. So going back to the, to the GABA and the serotonin there, it also affects our musculoskeletal system. So muscle strength, bone turnover, connective tissue. As you get older, connective tissue starts to break down. You get saggy and baggy. So our, our carbohydrate metabolism, so sugar regulation, glucose control, proper energy usage as we need it. So immune cell regulation. So then we get into our pro and anti-inflammatory states. Are you able to detoxify heavy metals? Do you have extra reactive oxygen species that we have to go through and talk about? So this can be your superoxide, your peroxynitrites. And we can go back to a whole lot of genetics and look into how that affects you. And these things can actually create nitric oxide issues, so vasodilation. So all of these different factors play out into diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, all these things that are known to be major issues. And this is just by the parasites affecting your hormonal balance and how it's working. So the other side of this that most people are well aware of is it'll affect your metabolism. So fat and protein, do you have it where you want it or not? Or do you have extra of what you want? So every dad bod you can think of, right? Protein turnover and repair, are we able to repair ourselves overnight? Are we able to actually go through and get the liver to do transamination as we need it? So another side of it is mucosal integrity. So when we think of the mucosal lining here of our sinuses, that protective layer that protects our sinuses, our throat down to the digestive tract, even along the urethra, along the vaginal canal, all these things here that help protect that, that can all be affected by as well. And then we see how the endocrine system, of course, going back to more of the hormone side here, getting salted. And this can affect our pancreas and our insulin levels. So a lot of diabetes can be attributed back to a lot of parasite infections. Along with that, we also see that the thyroid is affected again with the uh, production of our T3 and T4 hormones. And then our gonad hormones, such as testosterone and estrogen. So there's a lot of guys that come in to see us that have low T. This is the big one right now, low T. Everybody's trying to work on that. And a lot of that actually goes back to what we find in our clinic. Parasites are manipulating this entire system here and making an issue. And then estrogen production, you know, either low or high. You get estrogen really high, and then all of a sudden you start getting higher cases of cancer and things that can show up. So this imbalance here is important. So um, there's a whole lot more I can talk about here, but uh, Dr. Bowers would come back and talk a little bit more in general. I hope I set you up well with all that. So I hope I didn't take too much from uh, what I'll, you're going to talk about. We'll, but will duplicate a few things, but it's okay. So, and he's going to dive into it in more uh, in depth here is the rest of the hormones and how that affects it. So just kind of want to get a precursor here. He's going to talk about hormones. Dr. Cave's going to go over neurotransmitters. So a little more depth of what we talked about. Dr. Craig is going to talk about the neurophysiology and Dr. Luke is going to uh, give us a really nice emotional ending to all this and kind of take us home. So it's actually an emotional experience. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> nice one. Saving the best for last, I guess. So Dr. Bowers. Thanks, Dr. Kyson. So 
just in general, just kind of wrapping up a lot of things he was talking about, is the thyroid itself affects 80% of over 600 hormones in our body. And so if a parasite can manipulate that thyroid, guess what it can do? It can manipulate the entire body. So what I want to discuss is the effects that parasites have on the rest of the human endocrine system or the other hormones and how they affect us. Now, I'm not going to focus on any type of parasite specifically or any other host, such as animal plants. I want to just focus on the human aspect of this and how it is. And here's the thing we've got to keep in mind. If you haven't noticed already, this is a very complex situation, circumstance. We could literally just spend 12 hours to 16 hours just on these topics of just what we're going to talk about in this one series. So hang on. This is going to be a long one. I'm kidding you. We're trying to get through this as quick as we can. So with a few minutes that we each have as we go over this, we want to talk about some of those key aspects that can cause that havoc in the human body. So the relationship between parasites and humans, right, even though it's complex, there is a lot of substantial interreaction communication, and biochemical co-evolution. So when we talk about that, many people believe that their health or immune system will prevent them from getting parasites, as we've discussed before. And again, for some, they may be right, but it doesn't mean forever either. So we've discussed the parasites most commonly enter through the mouth or nose, as well as through the skin and the vagina. And when a parasite comes in through the mouth, right, the stomach acid is supposed to kill off or destroy it. However, many people have low stomach acid due to the, what we've talked about, either the processed foods, but more specifically the things Dr. Keish was just talking about, the thyroid condition. And we're seeing that more and more prevalent in the last decade. I mean, what person, male or female, doesn't have some type of a thyroid issue going on? So once a parasite gets through the stomach and goes into the interstitial space, it either enters the blood or the intestines, and it can live there for years or decades before transition to an active infection. So now hopefully you can understand how a parasite can show up at any time. But why and how would this affect our hormones? Well, the first thing I think we need to look at is how do hormones stay in balance, right? We want to talk about a uh, hormonal regulation. How does the body produce that? Well, what do they do? First, you must have the ability to produce hormones. And we talk about a lot of times uh, cholesterol, which is the key for four different types of mainframes of hormone production. Now, remember, there's over 600 of them. There aren't just the male and the female side, right? Which, by the way, most men have the female, most female have the male version of the parasites. They're just at different levels. So if you can produce them, then you must have some form of communication in the body for its need or its use. In the previous episode, Dr. Keish went into great detail talking about how parasites interact or affect or hijack our communication system. Then you must be able to remove the remains of that production. So once you use up a hormone, how does your body recycle it and reuse certain parts of it? Or how does it eradicate it? And so we've heard of things like testosterone imbalance, estrogen dominance, et cetera, et cetera. Some of those things are what we're going to be talking about. So since the parasites can cause a poor environment in the digestive tract, and the digestive tract is a significant part of hormone production and the removal, as well as a major part of your immune system, an imbalance here can cause havoc in our hormone, our hormone production. Now, if your body is constantly fighting a parasitic infection, you'll also be dealing with a lot of inflammation, and that inflammation will cause major stresses to your body, and then there'll be a demand load for hormone production to fight the stress and the inflammation, which will then affect the adrenaline and the cortisol hormones that Dr. Kaiser just talked about. So stress not only kills, stress mutates. And when stress mutates, it gets into an adaptogenic mutagenic reaction, and we get what? Precancer cells. 
right? So it isn't, as we've said in several episodes, it's not what you have or when you have it, it's what you have. So now we know that certain classes of species of parasites do excrete estrogen-like substances that block the receptors in our hormone reception system. So your body's producing it. The parasite comes in and blocks it. And it says, no, thank you. I'll take it. Just like we talked about for the nutrients in the food. And also the toxins that the parasite excrete can impair our body's ability to get rid of the used estrogens properly. And that's why we talk about estrogen dominance in both male and female, how it actually changes the outlook of our body. So that can cause the used estrogens to accidentally be recycled, which can cause even further imbalance in our hormone system. Now, there's specific evidence that excess steroid hormones have an influence on the development and, of course, the parasitic infections. Many of the parasites want as much available hormones as possible because it uses it to build its system so that it can thrive. Therefore, a weakened hormone system or a hormone dysfunction or hormone imbalance can actually affect parasitic infections and your reactions and their reactions. In many cases, the presence of parasites in us changes the hormone equilibrium by activating the immune system uh, response, which when it's elevated will affect hormones through the release of cytokines. And some of you out there listening have probably heard that term since, you know, the coronavirus released all these cytokines, these inflammatory reactions in our body. And then it actually stimulates growth factors that are released by the immune cells, which means you do what? You start growing, you start producing, you get the dad bod. We talked about, you know, man boobs. You get all these other things. The body dynamically starts changing. Now, it's well known that many parasites synthesize a, a steroid called the ectodystyroids that are mainly responsible for changing their body for further development and even further production. And then this affects what's called the phytoectodystyroids, which is a natural type of steroid that's derived from certain plants that are beneficial in our lives. Think of things like spinach and kiwa, right? Which are supposed to be very healthy and good for us. What they do, if you eat that, supposedly healthy, good food, they'll actually take that phytoectodystyroid and they'll use it for their own development and you won't get the benefit of it. So in most parasitic infections, it's the hormonal environment that determines the susceptibility and the severity of the parasitic infections. Then it's the infection that will disturb our human host environment and activate specific hormone responses that end up affecting our total endocrine system. This helps the parasite to mutate or change to be able to resist the immune system, which then allows for potential even more parasitical attraction and affections. And that's something that's kind of brand new. We're starting to learn, right? How it says, hey, y'all, we're having a party. Come on in. It brings in more or other either endoparasites or ectoparasites. What this does is to change our human ability to aromatase the sex phenomes or pheromones that stimulate behavioral reactions for the purpose of mating. So think about the concept of reduced libido, right? In men, we think it's low testosterone. What if it's the effect of a parasite? And in women, it does the same thing. So some parasites decrease the desire for sex or uh, reproducing until it's reduced the maturation phase. And then it flips the switch and it comes back and increases the desire for reproduction into a new host. And we see this in a lot of the more severe fatal cases as a woman generally or a male is infected. It's like in the last year or so of their life, it's like they want as many sexual partners as they can have because it's the parasite that is controlling the hormones 
that are controlling the decision-making process and the emotions to go replicate. Wow. As Dr. Kaiser said, some parasites even are the main cause of decrease in sex hormones, referred to as DHEA, testosterone, the estrogens, progesterone, and pregnenolone. And most of us have heard those hormones and what effect they do to our body. Those parasites are found in the liver, which is a great production. Over 85% of all production of the endocrine system occurs within the liver. Muscles, ovaries, testicles, the brain, intestines, and as Dr. Kaiser said, the thyroid. This can affect your ability to handle stress, which makes you tired all the time, change your sleep patterns, all those things that Dr. Kaiser was going through. But more importantly, it affects cholesterol production, which what is one of the biggest things we see in this world right now is high cholesterol. And we know that cholesterol is a protective mechanism, but it's also the building block for the four main frames of hormones that the entirety of the body needs. So what does that do? That causes unexplained weight gain, hair loss, skin reactions, causes fear, depression, anxiety, brain fog, fearfulness, erratic mood alterations, worry, frustrations. How about even sugar and salt cravings, as Dr. Kaiser was going into? It causes a weak immune system, autoimmune diseases, all the things he went through. It changes our mating rate. <laughs> it increases our aging. And specifically for women, it'll change your period, cause them to be heavy or painful, or have infrequent periods, multiple periods, causes tender breast issues, causes fertility issues, causes miscarriages, and even affects hot flashes and cold phases. And finally, if that wasn't enough, and as we were talking about this prior to this, uh, this filming, is the term vaginitis. Now, when we look at vaginitis, we know they can come from yeast, bacterial, viral, and even some non-infectant uh, irritants. And they're actually the cause of the spread of the STIs or sexually transmitted infections. So after all that, I want to leave you with this thought of concern. Research is finding that those who are in some form of hormone alteration or support, so think of things like hormone replacement therapy, or men you're getting or taking testosterone, injections, steroids, et cetera, or you're even on thyroid medications. Wow. All of these are key aspects of what attract the ectoparasites, which once again, just increases the cycle. And now we're back into a new uh, condition. Now, since we know that affects so many different things in the brain, the brain neuroplasticity, all these other factors, we're gonna kind of go to that phase and talk about that. So Dr. Caleb is now gonna go through and discuss neurotransmitters and the effects that parasites have on us. So Dr. Caleb. All right, thank you, Dr. Ben. Um, so Kaisen actually covered a lot of the neurotransmitters I was going to talk about earlier. So I'm going to cover some other stuff. I'm going to go over some general uh, overview. And then I'm also going to talk about a few of them that we didn't cover earlier. And um, let's kind of go after it. So neurotransmitters are chemical messengers that uh, carry signals or messages through the nervous system. So they are also an important part of the gut-brain access axis, which uh, I didn't really talk about earlier when we we're going over microbiome, but we talked about how a lot of the, um, a lot of them release or a lot of the bacteria release uh, neurotransmitters. Those can actually uh, get <laughs> get signaled back up through the vagus nerve into the brain, and that stimulates some of those cravings. And um, then we can also have uh, signaling coming down that can disrupt autonomic nervous system uh, function, which again goes to all your organ systems. A lot of the automatic things that your body does uh, is controlled by that. Um, so such as breathing, 
heartbeat, blood pressure, stress response, how well you respond to stress, whether you're fight or flight, or you know, whether you can calm down or maintain that balance, and then hormone regulation. So it goes into a lot of what Dr. Ben was just talking about as well. And there are so many more functions that can relate to this, but I think you can already see how important the autonomic nervous system is and how neurotransmitters can play a part in that. So what are some of the specific functions of neurotransmitters? So there's really three main uh, aspects that there are functions that they can do. They can be excitatory, which means they activate or turn on nerve signaling. They can be inhibitory, meaning they disrupt or turn off nerve signaling. Or they can be modulatory, where they kind of influence or affect some of the other signals that are being transmitted, change the message a little bit, or even broadcast them over a broader range. So there are over a 100 known types of neurotransmitters. Um, some of the better ones, uh, Dr. Kreisen talked about uh, serotonin and GABA. I do want to highlight again on serotonin because that is such a key, uh, important one for us. It helps not only with mood, with helping you feel good, but it also helps with your sleep patterns, helps with your appetite, and it also helps with pain management, how well you respond to pain or how you react to pain. And another thing I thought was interesting, especially with this time of year, is serotonin imbalance is also a key part of seasonal effectiveness disorder, which many of us are coming out of now that spring is uh, really starting to hit full force, right? Um, couple other big ones, epinephrine or adrenaline. This is your fight or flight response when you're stressed or afraid. So again, like uh, Dr. Christ was talking about earlier, when you're faced with the bear or wild animal, this is a good thing to have uh, or a you know, attacker, someone who comes up on the street and is threatening, you know, is good to be ready to fight or flight or run away. But um, when our normal daily life is just kind of thinking and stressing and, you know, thinking about all these situations and we don't actually get the chance to run away or to fight, then it just keeps building up in our body and we don't actually get to process that down, break it down and, you know, get to more balanced levels. So we just always in that heightened state. And again, that goes to the adrenals, that goes to thyroid and that goes to your whole body. Um, <clears throat> so again, we covered a lot of this already, so I'm not going to really go over a whole lot more, but you can see that there, that neurotransmitters are a key component to everything we do in our daily life. Hormone regulation, stress management, your mood, your decision-making processes. Uh, one I didn't talk about yet was dopamine. So dopamine is actually a key uh, part of your motivation. It's, it's a part of our reward system. It's what actually drives us to persevere and go through and, you know, go through those hard times and to work towards a goal or towards a achievement because that is at a heightened state and it, we have more get up and go through that. You know, it ties in real wealth, uh, you know, testosterone and some of those other hormones that give us that uh, sense to push forward in life and to achieve. And this is a big one that gets hit with, uh, you know, parasites. And we talked about how with parasites, they people tend to kind of fall away. They kind of tend to isolate or draw away. It's because they lose a lot of their motivation to be engaged, to get rewards by connecting with people and, you know, engaging in life. And so there's a lot of um, unmotivated, what we, we might even say lazy people that 
just don't really care to be a part of the society or care to work for better things in their life. And I think this becomes more and more of an issue. The, the more we're realizing how parasites affect us, the more we're recognizing these issues is what I guess I should say. So again, um, as you can see with parasites, it is a very complex thing. And often it's not just one layer of issues. You get layers upon layers upon layers. And then it, if given enough time, it balloons completely out of control and your whole body is taken over. Your whole life is taken over. And, uh, it's, it's really crazy and frustrating when you look at how much they really affect you. Um, so again, neurotransmitters, uh, we think this is one of the big ways that hosts can manipulate um, their host into providing a proper environment or providing them the resources that they need uh, to kind of take over our body. Um, so that's a big part of how nerve signaling can be affected. Uh, Dr. Craig, how else is the nervous system affected by a parasite? I think we're doing a good job of um, giving an example of how things steal from others mm -hmm. like <laughs> we're all stealing from each other surely sure. more likely it's actually just there's so much overlap of all well, you this call those parasites. <laughs> <laughs> it's good blending yeah yeah i was gonna we say are, we, we are who we are because of what's in us no if the shoe fits what yeah <laughs> i'm wearing it what i'm going to do is just kind of quickly review just general concepts in relationship we've talked about uh, the nervous system, kind of like the communication system. And so I'm going to use that analogy. We kind of talked about a war. So there's really about four or five ways that the parasites really impact our communication system. First is we talked about stealing resources, not only uh, systemically, but also locally. So imagine your communication system has no power. It's really difficult for that system to work if you don't have power to it. Then we talked about releasing toxins. To me, this is kind of like creating static you know, I'm trying to give a communication and it's the message is not coming through clearly. And then we what they can also do is create inflammation and, and edema or damage. To me, this is actually starting to block the signal. The signal can't even get through. So you're not, you know, if we're trying to coordinate attack on an invader and the message doesn't come through clearly or it's not coming through at all, we're not going to have a very coordinated attack. The next thing, and kind of speaking of that, what when we talk specifically to neurology and the brain, one of the things we talk about is the blood-brain barrier, which is kind of like, I think of it like this, our operating system is held down in this deep bunker. Well, now the bunker has been blown open and now other invaders can come in as well. And so now you start to get foreign invaders right in your operating system. And then they'll... And, and one of the things I'm going to talk about here in just a little bit, just kind of as an emphasis, is we talked about neurocystocercosis. This is going to be a specific, like you had somebody implanted within your, your team. And then the last thing we talked about is manipulation. This is not only, uh, instead of not getting the communication out or the communication being blocked, now we've got a flawed communication going out. That's fine. Exactly. Now, instead of going, okay, we're okay. Instead of going, we're at war. Now the message goes, no, we're fine. Everything's good. Don't worry about it. And we, we've talked about this, like uh, one of the books we reference a lot is this is your brain on parasites or your brain on parasites. And kind of as an example, it talks about tox toxoplasma gondii getting into a rat and the rat that in its typical state will run away from a cat will actually run towards the cat because that's part of the parasite seeking to replicate itself. Uh, 
So you can see how there's multiple ways that the neurology is being affected. So I want to take just a minute here and talk about this neurocystocercosis. Got it. Exactly. Yeah which is, is a very serious condition. And what's interesting too is similar to many other things, the initial infection is really considered silent. There's, you may have little or no uh, symptoms. Typically it's maybe a headache or just a little bit of brain fog. And then over time it can move into seizures and then eventually coma, like we've talked about in, in other uh, episodes. This neuroassistocircosis actually is the leading cause of epilepsy. So it's getting in there, it's getting into your programming system, and now it's just creating all kinds of chaos, and now you can't coordinate any, reboot, right? yeah, any type of attack. So, And what's interesting is not only can it create seizures, but it can also create personality changes and mental impairment, including altered mental states. So now think about this, your um, schizophrenia, your bipolar disorders, all these type of issues – now your generals are arguing with each other and there's generals there that aren't really there. And, and so you can't really coordinate this attack. So, and we're going to talk about, let Luke talk about this here in just a sec, how this impacts our emotions. Before I hand it over, I want to throw out a little philosophical question here, since I'm talking about the brain and the nervous system. Parasites don't actually have a brain in the typical sense we think of. Or do they? Yeah. Or do they? Yeah, but not one that we can, you know, dissect out. So if they don't have a brain, how are they coordinating this? How are they knowing what to do? How is it that all these things that we're talking about are occurring in a non-conscious species? Genetic predisposition. Their whole body is the brain. Right. And so what they're doing as they adapt to generational changes right. is they're passing on that genetic membrane or that genetic memory of how, what to do, what to look for, how to live, how to survive. And then the ability to even adapt, just like you did on this call. You adapted very well. You know, <laughs> right. I, I'm very impressed. I, I also have a brain and I am consciously thinking about, OK, well, they said this. So how I say this. But right. it's, it's interesting it's just from a philosophical perspective of going, this same process is occurring in this this organism, I mean, have a brain. yeah, and I'm like, but so what? Are not, where so our brain real, comes from a genetic predisposition predisposition anyway, right? right? Some brains are preloaded, some are faulty, some are you know dysfunctional. In even before we get to parasites, so but that, the parasites are singleness of focus and purpose driven. If you'll give it that terminology, they know what they want, where they want, how to get it, and how to react to it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. interesting, especially if you think about it, because when we talk about knowing, that's a consciousness. Do they have that? So just something to ponder, and I'll let you uh, tie into emotions. Well, it's, inter that. it's interesting, though, when you think of it, because we think of our brain and our skull as far yes. as our nervous system. But even our enteric nervous system is, is a brain Part that's brain. kind of a sleeve around our digestive tract. So that'd be kind of the same way it's set up in a parasite or a worm or whatever we're looking for is in that more elongated type of form, not in a mass clump of right. neurology, but even then it knows what it needs to do. And we know our enteric system affects the main brain. Yeah. We think our main brain's the main brain. Right. It really isn't. So you're the saying they're preloaded with a mindset. Yeah. Awesome. That single purpose that he is saying that that's that's what they do because that's what it's had to do to right. even exist today so if it doesn't do that it doesn't exist well I, I go back to the same concept too is if it's a mindset we're at 
you, you can't dig it out. Yeah, because you're thinking mindset like the mind up here, though, so not the higher level. But well, on no, a- no, because my thought process is the same thing, too, is your mind is all of this. It's not just in yeah. your brain. We tend to think that way. So. We call that innate, generally speaking. I mean, we have the innate ability to change and adapt. Right. You don't cut your finger and go, oh, I got to heal, I got to heal. No, it's the innate right. ability. And that's right. what, you know, in the parasitical world, they have their innate abilities to do things. Just kind of interesting to think about where that, where did that originate? So stay tuned in future episodes where we go through and dissect this in much more detail. (laughs) (laughs) For now, we'll take it over to the emotions now with Dr. Luke. All right. Thanks, guys. So I want to highlight a few um, research articles that I found and then kind of cap it off by, you know, what we observe in the clinic. Um, So, yeah, parasites and emotional health. Um, First study I want to highlight is there was a systematic review, which is basically where researchers evaluate several different research papers. And this systematic review was conducted to determine the association between parasitic infection and mental illness in humans in Africa. And this reviewed the state of of all the evidence available. So basically what the search was focused on was the relationships between the parasites from the two groups we talked about, helminths and protozoas, and then four different types of classifications of mental illness, which were uh, mood affective disorders, neurotic and stress-related disorders, uh, schizotypal disorders, and unspecified mental illness, which is pretty much everything else. (laughs) So in these papers, the prevalence of mental illness was significantly higher in people with a parasitic infection compared to those without infection. In fact, an overall odds ratio found that the association of having a mental illness when testing positive for a parasitic infection was four times that of people without infection. Wow. That's huge. The next one that I want to highlight is there is um, a scientist, a researcher at uh, Michigan State University, uh, Lena Brendan, and I quote her, In our study, we found that if you are positive for the parasite T. gondii, which is very common in America, you are seven times more likely to attempt suicide. Wow. Let that one sink in for a moment. I mean, you're just trying to get away, you're trying to get out, you're trying to get out of the pain. Because we talk about pain uh, and mood alteration, and sometimes people literally just fed enough. Well, it's interesting too, going back to the nature of the parasite, what does it do in rats or mice with regards to cats? It drives them to it. Could that be having the same effect on us to a degree to drive us to that point? Well, in the book, This Is Your Brain on Parasites, they about a third of the book. So, I mean, it's talking about all the parasites that are out there, but a third of that book is directed toward T. Gondi. And one of the things that was in there was they had a, um, a doctor who would take people who died in these really crazy accidents and stuff, you know, motorcycle wrecks, people doing crazy things, and go through and actually go through and look for T. Gondi in there. And he says it was present in 90% of the patients who mm. did these ridiculous, life-threatening, thrill-seeking things, and that was what was really driving it. It removed their inhibitions. Their, their fear factor was gone, and they did crazy things as well as the response time yeah. to different things yeah. too that's I'm, right i'm going to talk about that a lot more in the next episode too when we're talking about the life cycles i'm also going to talk about the different types of hosts that parasites need and how again when they're driving one host into a bad situation like that they're probably trying to find a specific type of host that they can actually have a more advantageous position in all right and we really can't 
recommend that book. This is your brain on parasites by Kathleen McAuliffe highly enough. Um, there's so many different fascinating side notes. There's just too much to include into what we're trying to talk about and stay on. But please, if you, if you're interested in more, please go read that book. Um, because it does really not to shift, um, accountability or responsibility from the individual, but it does beg beg the question as we're talking philosophically here, how much of behavior, right? How much of mood, how much of how we interact with, uh, not just people, but our world and the environment in which we live, how much of that is us in, in the 10% sense and how much of that is the 90% of the cells that of the other microbes that make us up holistically. So it's interesting to consider. And lastly, with regards to T. gondii and, and uh, how it alters behaviors in humans, um, physiologically, it can reduce one of the one of the uh, hypotheses of how it affects us is it reduces the amount of norepinephrine uh, within us, which for this purpose, uh, this chemical is released as a response to stress. And it also helps regulate neuroinflammation, which is basically how the brain uh, responds um, to an immune challenge, essentially, or an infection. So scientists believe that the behavioral changes in people infected with T. gondii can be linked to lower amounts of norepinephrine, which then is going to drive unregulated amounts of neuroinflammation, which is then going to cause brain damage, altered uh, mood, behavior, Alzheimer's, ADHD, schizophrenia. Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, it really highlights the the schizophrenic side of it and how there's kind of, as you were alluding to, Dr. Kaisen, that more and more people who um, are having these mental challenges already have the T. gondii in their brain. So uh, it all boils down really to the parasite's ability to reduce norepinephrine. And this was discovered at the University of Leeds. So interesting. Um, let's see. So that kind of caps off the, or, or ends the the research side of it. So I highlight this just to demonstrate it's not just us coming up with stuff on our own, but more and more research and scientists and medical providers are waking up to the truth. And there, I, I think that we're right in the middle of, of really being kind of on the cutting edge of this. So uh, it's very, uh, I don't know if exciting is the right word because you hate to see people dealing with it, but in another sense, it is exciting to be a part of this and to provide answers and results um, for people who are desperately looking for that. Well, Dr. Luke, uh, sure. to some degree, all of us have experienced something along this line. Of course. And that's why we get into this. We checked it. We were, we're finding it and we're doing these kind of things. And, and when you look at, you know, I mean, j- just think of moments in where you feel frustrated, irritated, agitated, right? And five seconds later, you're different, right? It's like, it's all gone. It's like, who flipped that switch? What flipped that switch? You know, and then there's other people that get so highly agitated it takes them days to come down, right? So when we look at how parasitical infections affect brain neuroplasticity, the body's ability to repair and regenerate itself, and they've hijacked that from us. Wow, it's no wonder some of the people have some of the problems they have. And finally, as we'll talk about here at the end, finally there's hope. Mm-hmm. I think that highlights another thing that we we need to you know keep in mind, especially you know with people that are listening and watching, is the goal, and I think why to some degree it is exciting for us to find these things and to be able to treat these things is because we understand that what you don't know can hurt you, and you know this is to raise awareness, not just with those listening, but to, you know, worldwide, this needs to be a bigger issue than it really is. And again, a lot of it goes back to not being able to find it, not being able to recognize 
the signs or the symptoms or what's going on. And so the more we can be aware of that, the more exciting it is because we can actually get results. We can actually overcome and, you know, gain victories, which we're going to talk about again later. But that's a key part of us, you know, doing this and why we want to continue doing this. I think it's important to kind of at this point, kind of just everything you've heard so far, you got to realize that this really is a, a real pandemic. That's just unseen, unrecognized. You don't realize how much everybody's being affected by this. So this is the parasite pandemic and it's unseen. And now that we're getting these studies and it's becoming more recognized and people are becoming more versed in our standing. When I first started dealing with these patients, I'll go to in a little bit later episode, that we're having some of these things and we're like, well, I didn't learn this in school. I, I don't know where the, where to get this information from. Here's what I'm finding. Is this real? Am I just that far off the reservation? And, and I was way off the reservation, but nobody else is there with me. I mean, there were other doctors. So when I started finding some of these different books, like the one, this is your brain on parasites and these other things that started giving me a better understanding and a better, okay, so this is actually a real thing. Here's what we're really dealing with, even though nobody else is really acknowledging it to a lot of degrees. And so you feel like you're on your own in some ways, you know, and you're getting results for people. But it's it's nice to see that there's a lot of other people, a lot of the studies are coming out now that it's actually coming to the surface. So we're not as far off the reservation. People are catching up with us and and actually understanding what we're finding, what we're doing, and the results we're getting. So that's exciting. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen. So moving on to kind of what we see, I, I had something uh, noted down for neurotransmitters, but we've kind of hammered that out ad nauseum. So <laughs> moving on to clinical observations. So, um, and please, doctors on this, uh, feel free to chime in. So some of the most common mental and emotional dysfunctions and traits that we see uh, are as follows. Uh, traits of anger, sadness, depression, despair, all right, irritability or having a short fuse or easily set off, kind of like Dr. Ben was talking about, low self-esteem, low self-worth, rage, overwhelmed, and much, much more. So as I mentioned earlier, parasitic infections can kind of alter or as not a, <laughs> I, I didn't mention this, but as we mentioned this, you know, parasitic infections can alter or distort the gut bacteria, which can alter your neurotransmitter production in the gut, which can then in turn alter mood or behavior or mental emotional health. But here's the kicker. When someone has a parasitic infection, life doesn't slow down. Time keeps moving on. Stressors are still very real. And when this happens, when a person has a parasitic infection, one loses their ability to cope or adapt or handle these stressors in life, whether that be emotional, mental, or spiritual, or just the minor stressors of the hustle and bustle of everyday life. So in other words, it can be harder to tend to your kids or your spouse or your schoolwork if you're a student. It becomes extremely more difficult. We've seen social skills in kids and teens become impaired due to the parasitic infections and then past traumas that are within us and our mind and our body and our spirit can become heightened or brought forth to the surface as we're dealing with this because we're losing the integrity of the ability to kind of, you know, keep these things at bay as it were. And as I mentioned earlier with some research, the anxiety and depression and even suicide becomes a greater risk for these individuals. So we hear so often with folks who've had chronic illness that have been to several different doctors and they're told, and you know, it's all in your head. And, and to a degree, they're, they're more right than they know, but not in the sense that they think. 
and or worse yet, <clears throat> I think this is probably the worst one we've heard at the clinic is we've done everything we can. You really should consider mental facility. We've literally heard patients be told from other providers that they should be institutionalized because it's all in their head or it's not real, which really makes you wonder throughout medical history, how many people were wrongly institutionalized who just needed to be treated for an underlying infection or infections because doctors weren't looking in the right places or asking the right questions. And it's like, you always told me of what your dad said, my great granddad, your guys' granddad, uh, he who has the questions is he who has the power, but asking the right questions is what truly matters in the end. So I think this is worth mentioning because I personally have had conversations with many patients and um, potential patients like on day one. And it goes something to the effect of my family members all think I'm crazy for going down this rabbit trail of insanity or for being treated by us, you know, at Docera. And it can certainly seem crazy, but here's the difference. Here's, here's what sets you apart as the, uh, as the patient. They're not having to find answers when nobody else will for them. They're the one, you guys are the ones that are having to dig and to take power in your own hands and seek out those answers when nothing else has worked, which again is a heartbeat behind these podcasts for people to have a, go play, have a place to go learn more about and to receive validation and affirmation for what they're experiencing. And your family and friends won't have to understand because it's not their lived, dare I say, experience. <laughs> little inside joke with Dr. Craig. Um, but more times than not, however, our patients have amazing support systems of family members, not always, but for the most part. <clears throat> Having said that, it doesn't make it easier for these family members in many ways to, for them to have their own mental and emotional stress that comes with watching a loved one suffer with no answers or end in sight. Even me as a doctor, and I'll, I'll touch on this in the last episode with my personal story, I've had to wrestle with this very issue and... And again, I'll talk more about that, of watching a loved one, uh, particularly my wife, go through a, a pretty severe parasite infection. And the biggest thing that I could advise just to close this out is to have grace, have grace for yourself first and foremost, and to have grace for your family and friends who don't understand. Continue to be on a mission to seek and find answers, even if nobody else understands. If they do understand, then thank God, praise God. You know, that's a wonderful thing to have that support system. But if not, and unfortunately, if they don't understand, still have grace for yourself and have grace for them. Don't allow their misunderstanding or their innocent ignorance to shame or guilt you for seeking these things out. Because at the end of the day, results will speak for themselves. And I don't care what area of your life it is, whether it's healing or simply being a better person, a better parent, spouse, friend, employee, whatever, because at the end of the day, time and fruit or results will speak for themselves. So once again, have grace for yourself, have grace for others and ask, seek and knock and take one day at a time and enjoy the ride. Before we close, I'd like to add a thought process. It's, um, we've had this debate many times. Is it the, really this comes down to, is it the 10% or the 90%? And, yes. and and yes, and he's exactly right. And and even me being in the clinic, really, in some essence, for most of my thought process, I've kind of dismissed the ninety percent and thought, well, really, the real problem is the ten percent. And so this this has been eye opening for me, 
even being involved in this and even seeing it, it's like, this is a big deal. And it's, it's, it is not one or the other. It's both. We want to address both because they're both important. So it's, yeah, uh, this is, I hope it's been helpful for our audience, but if nothing else, it's helped me kind of shift my mindset a little bit too and see how, um, how much that could be impacting my life. I want to add that for me, uh, the perspective as a Christian and a belief of God and Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I feel that as a creator, if God created all these things, he also gave us grace to find the solution to all these things, right? There is nothing more important in this world than us to him. But he's given us challenges and things to work through. And so for thousands of years that these have all been around, his grace is still here too to help us. And that's what we hope to be a part to help you find that solution to get through these things. So I would add a third aspect to that is, you know, having grace for yourself, for your family, and also pray for grace for us. Amen. So anything else, gentlemen? Awesome. Well, thank you so much once again for tuning into an episode of Docera Digest. And please join us in the next episode as we talk about parasites and their cycles. We're going to go over how parasites respond in the moon cycle in various seasons throughout the year, their reproduction cycle, home occupants, and then what jobs or occupations you may be at risk for to have a parasitic infection. So thanks again and join us next time. Thank you for listening to the Docera Digest podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all the episodes and show notes over at doceralifecenter.com. While you're on the website, also be sure to check out the blog where you'll find videos and articles to help you proactively rebalance your health.